0: Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of all things X-Men. I'm your co-host, the Uncanny Dayspring,
1: and I am the adjectiveless Flinkman.
0: And folks, we have a very fun guest with us today. It's none other than Warpath Dylan, co-host of the House of X podcast. What's going on, Dylan?
2: Not much. I'm super excited to be here. I don't know why you thought I was special enough to be a guest, but (laughs) I'm happy to be here.
0: Um, Because today we're going to be savage as fuck and throw mad shade at uh, Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast. And we thought, who better than Warpath Dylan?
2: (laughs) Yay. Uh, We actually have an episode that I titled Fucking Beast because (laughs) when Regina and I recorded it and then I went to edit it, I was like, wait, we just said fucking beast like eight times in this episode. That's going to be the title.
1: (laughs) So appropriate. And I do have to uh, give a shout out to two of my friends, Mackie and Courtney. They actually uh, gave us feedback from our first episode um that they wanted to hear more about why we we hated beast so uh let's let's give them all the reasons all the reasons courtney and maggie
0: he's a fucking sociopath and we'll tell you why okay but but first let's get to know our guest warpath dylan i've been listening to you for a while now you and regina are just amazing and your chemistry is palpable why why start a podcast why did you guys start a podcast together
2: Oh, well, I have a Facebook group of the same name that's called House of X, and Regina and I were friends in there, and she helps me admin and moderate it, and I was a part of a different podcast for a while, and I asked Regina to join me there, and then we eventually left that podcast and started our own, and just like you guys, we just like to talk about X-Men a lot, and (laughs) people like to hear us, and so, yeah. And also, I just wanted to point out my Facebook group that's called House of X. We actually had the name first. We before, had it for, before Hickman. Yeah, we had it for like almost two years before Hickman announced that thing. And I was actually at C2E2 when that was announced, but I didn't go to the X-Men panel. But there was a bunch of my members there. And like I was at C2E2 walking around and then I just start my phone started blowing up. And everyone's like, we should sue Marvel. And I'm like, No. We can't. <laughs> I, I stole House of X from House of M, so no, we can't.
0: <laughs> Wait, did you see? Because you have like a zillion followers on that group. Did you see a huge spike after House of X was announced?
2: Yeah, I I would say within a month we got like 400 new members. Wow, and gnarly. Yeah,
0: you guys have such a positive environment there, which is so uncanny for 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 an X Men group i mean we we're savage i mean x-men fans we're savage <laughs> yes <laughs> but you guys like you have this like it's such a fun group like people are like post a picture and i'll cast you as an x-man or tell me some hard x truths, and no one fights everyone is just so amicable and and lovely
2: it, it, it's not always that way but usu- <laughs> usually it is because we're pretty quick to get rid of trolls and I'm like, i i don't mess with, like with
1: facebook at, at this point, but that don't, that sounds that sounds pleasant. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give it another shot. It
2: it is pretty nice. We have a bunch of admins from all over the world, so I think that helps. So if some of us are asleep and something crazy happens, there's somebody else in a different time zone or country that can take care of it.
0: So let's get into your history with X Men. What's your earliest memory of X Men?
2: Um, I would say my earliest memory is probably just seeing a comic book at a grocery store and. Uh, mainly watching my brother look at comic books because I have an older brother and he would just get comics and read them. And then I would just look at the pictures because I didn't want to read. I could read. It's not like I was illiterate. But <laughs> I just, I didn't want to read them. I just looked at the pictures and yeah, I remember he had some like X-Men classics and uh, Mohawk Storm caught my attention because I was just like, "Yeah, is this? why does this superhero have a mohawk like this is she's not batman or super why does she have a cape like i don't know what this is but i like it
1: i mean who what gay man's intro to x-men wasn't through storm
2: Storm. and then i think a a few years later because those were like older classics so she was already like in her 90s suit by that time but i remember i bought my first two comics before i went on a trip with my grandparents and it was a X-Men Unlimited number one and X-Force 24 and the X-Force 24 had a big group shot and Warpath was in the middle and it was just this big muscly dude. And and (laughs) even as a a kid, I was like, I want him. And then I I became obsessed with him. So,
0: yeah. So is he your favorite X-Man?
2: I mean, Storm was my first favorite just because she was my intro, but like, yes, Warpath is like my absolute favorite favorite and monet but warpath is like yes
1: monet
2: yeah. warpath is number one that's why my name is warpath i am Dunn. a
1: huge 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 monet
0: fan yeah. huge uh mike so, should should we should we talk about the search for m should we tease we it should, we should no. we should no.
1: um so, I don't, I, I don't know if Day Spring has told you, but uh, this upcoming week's episode, we actually are interviewing um, Heather McComb and Randall Slavin from the Generation X TV movie, Jubilee and Refrax. And they say the only thing preventing them from doing a full cast reunion is they can't find
2: uh, Amarillus or Suzanne Davis,
1: me. who plays Buff, and then, yeah, Amarellis, who plays M. So, we are definitely going to kick off. The Hunt for M, and we're going to get all the gay nerds searching the world for
0: Amarillas. <laughs> we, have, we have to find her. We yeah, and that, that episode, listener, is live right now. Right so now. go ahead and check it out. It's a really fun interview. Heather and uh, Refrax, or I'm sorry, Jubilee and Refrax, uh, discuss their experience on set. One of them may have been on the X-Men 1 set, and we talk a lot about the comics, and it's great.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, we'll I can't that. wait to hear it.
0: Yeah. Um, so who, wh- what What was your favorite crossover for the X-Men?
2: Uh, it might be because I'm a little biased with Monet, but <laughs> I really like the Phalanx Covenant. But it's not just because of Monet, it's because I like not the main stars of X-Men. So I mean the Phalanx Covenant had most of the X-Men out of commission Mm -hmm. and it was you had to deal with like X-Factor and Excalibur and uh, X-Force. So they were basically trying to save the day and then the Generation X kids were introduced. So I like that just because like Cyclops and Jean and Storm were not the main focus.
1: I totally agree. I I have always thought that this. I don't want to call them secondary because to me they're they're not secondary at all. But like those secondary X characters are so much more interesting than the A listers, in my opinion. And so, and Phalanx Covenant is just a classic. It was probably the first crossover I read. So yeah, I I'm I'm totally with you on that one.
0: Yeah, that was. I love that arc where they're at the mansion and banshee notices something's up and they they had to go on the run and emma of course has a fabulous like chateau in san francisco because why wouldn't she of course what does jubilee say jubilee's like this is nicer than the tgi fridays or whatever the heck yeah she's just like so i was reading that and jubilee may be my second like uh x-men that i think is the worst because the what? thing the things she was saying to Emma. She's here like, oh, Frosty, is this why the Hellions died? I'm like, you are like 14, do not talk to your teacher like that. She's a smart ass. That's like the whole
1: appeal of Jubilee. I can't believe, I can't believe you said that.
2: Hard to believe. True, yes. Are you gonna say that to Heather?
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Heather was, Heather was very infectious. I mean, she was so incredibly lovely. Um, and so was Randall. They were just so great. All right, so Warpath Dylan, follow him on Instagram, join the House of X Facebook group because it's awesome, and listen to his podcast. Him and Regina are phenomenal, and they are just a fanboy and a fangirl fanning around talking about the latest issues of our merry band of mutants. D- did I get your tag right? Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, Regina loves saying that. I think she said it like on our first episode and then our third and then like when we were recording the fourth, I was like, can you do the the fangirl thing? And she's like, why? And I was like, because it sounds awesome. Just do it every episode. <laughs> I, I
1: love fanning around. That's that's the best.
0: Dude, I'm like jogging listening to you guys. I, I was jogging like eight miles the other day and I was just listening to your episodes. I'm like, yeah, fanning around. Like it was, <laughs> that's my um, new term for what I do. <laughs> All right, so we're all here today to trash talk Hank McCoy, a.k.a. The Beast. But before we start trash talking him, I thought, why don't we do a little trivia on Beast? Um, And by doing trivia, I mean, I'm going to ask you both some questions. And the winner gets a very gnarly prize that I'm going to email to them.
1: Ooh. I'm prepared to lose. I was going to say I
0: might lose. When it comes (laughs) to Beast... mm
1: We're no, these gonna are, are going to be
0: so easy. These are going to be easy questions.
1: That's what you said last time,
0: and I got them all wrong. All right, Flinkman and Warpath Dylan, how well do you know the Beast? Question number one Who played Beast in X3?
1: Kelsey
2: Grammer. I was going to say Fraser. His name <laughs> was escaping me. I
0: mean, that, that is who he acceptable. Fraser is Frazier's acceptable.
2: Okay, acceptable here's a, answer.
0: Who played him
2: in the prequels?
1: Nicholas Holt.
2: I don't know that actor's name. <laughs> I
1: only know because he was on Skins and he was half naked all the time and I was, I was in love with him prior to him being cast as Beast. So love for Nicholas.
0: Okay. What color is his fur when he first transforms into his beastly appearance? Gray. Blue? Oh, Gray. Was How
1: do I know more about Beast than I thought I did? Did you say Gray? I did.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah he did. True I or... I block it. Beast history out of my mind, so that's why I'm going to (laughs) lose.
0: This is very surprising to me. True or false, Beast pretended to be gay during Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. True. 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 Whose side was he on during AVX? Initially, the Avengers. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. You're both right. Uh, Did his iconic line, Oh My Stars and Garters, debut in X-Men, Defenders, or Avengers? I'm... uh...
1: I'm going to guess Avengers because that's the only time he's ever been tolerable.
2: (laughs) Maybe the Defenders. I don't think it was X-Men. It was Avengers. It was Avengers. It was Avengers.
0: Um, Okay. What state is Beast originally from? Illinois. Yeah, that's right there. When Um, about that? (laughs) What is the name of Beast's voice actor in the animated series? George... Boo Booza, Booza, Buzza. I know it's B U Z A, however, you pronounce that. Do you know how to pronounce it, Dylan? I don't know. No, uh, I think, yeah, I say George Buzza, but it's probably Booza, George Booza. Okay, okay. What role did he play in X1 though?
1: How do I want to? He was the truck driver that drove Rogue to Canada.
0: Yes, when Rogue was like, I thought we were going as far as Lachlan City, and he's like, This "This is Lachlan City. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't know it was him. It was only until later that I found out it was what? him. Oh my God. How did you not recognize one. that voice? Um, I knew right away. Okay. Okay. And our last question. Name two of Beast's love interests. Uh,
2: Abigail Trish. Brandon, Cecilia Reyes. Yes.
0: yes Trish, right. Trish, Trish there. Tilby. <laughs> Trish Tilby. <laughs> oh, no, Trish. Oh, Trish. Um, Trish. I don't know who won because I wasn't really keeping score. I think
2: Flinkman won.
0: I think
1: everybody's a winner here.
0: Everyone's a winner. So what you both get is this gnarly fan art of Beast getting his haircut with Wolverine and they go to the same barber. Yes, right there, boom. What a prize, what a prize. What a prize. Congratulations. So today's X-Men, we're gonna talk about how Beast is the worst X-Men ever. And we're gonna give all of our reasons. But I think we should give him a fair trial first. Do you fellas agree? Why not? I mean, like, look, I just think like maybe if we're gonna rag on this like terrible, terrible person, we should give a little back history on him.
1: I suppose I'm, if you if you want people to be informed, this is a very diplomatic
2: podcast. We're
0: yeah, <laughs> look, like, look, 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 I'm not throwing shade and opening up the library, but this is in the kangaroo court. Like we have to we have to give Beast some, you know, some background for our listeners who probably are like, what the fuck? Why are you hating on Beast? Because I think his like 90s animated appearance is pretty gnarly. I I really liked him in it.
2: Yeah, it's the only good Beast.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, the movie wasn't great, but, I, you know, Frasier was a perfect casting as Beast, and I wish that the movie had been better, because he looked great, and he was great. He just didn't do anything.
0: How can you hate on Fraser? You can't. You well. can't. Anyway, so I have compiled a history on Beast. Uh, I used uh, a lot of my back issues and I cross-referenced it with like a lot of Wikipedias. But um, I also just want to shout out UncannyXmen.net because I've been reading them for like, I mean, what since I was like 19.
1: <laughs> I think this year is their 20th anniversary and I've probably been reading them for at least 15 of those years, at least.
0: Yeah.
2: and This sp- morning before... I came on here, I was like, I'm gonna go check uncannyxmen.net real quick, <laughs> just so I can refresh my memory on some beast things too. So yeah.
0: <laughs> and a lot of like my my root knowledge on beasts comes from reading reading their bio pages for, for years. So I can't even like separate what I just read naturally and what I've picked up on uncannyxmen.net. So I just wanna give them the full amount of credit because they're so thorough, so much better than Wikipedia's. Let's do it let's give us some, okay. let's give them some history. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, Flinkman, I just need two minutes to recap Beast's history. Can I have two minutes? You you have two minutes. We'll see if you can actually fit it all in. Start the timer. Born to Norden and Edna in Dumpy, Illinois, Hank's mutation was evident from the moment of birth. His monstrous hands, feet, and agility made him an easy target at the school ground. Until he was recruited by the X Men, where he spent the later part of his teen years fighting the Master of Magnetism, becoming a foot god to a beatnik cult at Coffee Gogo, and because this was the '60s, lusting over Jean Grey. What a creep! Overwhelmed by anti-mutant hysteria, he was about to do us all a favor and quit the X-Men but was interrupted by his time-traveling sociopathic future self that told him, and the rest of the O5, that in order to save the future from Scott Summers' mutant genocide, they'd have to come with him to the future. So reckless. That's an entire saga in of itself, but the O5 eventually returned to the present day, and Beast makes good on his promise to quit the X-Men as he originally threatened and becomes a wrestler. But don't get too excited, true believers. Beast is the X-Men's answer to Jen Brady, and in just a few short issues, he's back on the team. He stayed on the team for a while, got a costume upgrade, dated Mimic's ex-girlfriend, and then decided he no longer wanted to be one of the strangest teens of all and took a job at the Brand Corporation.
1: Nerd alert!
0: to develop his biochemical skills, and this is where, in an attempt to foil his evil boss, Down's a mutant-enhancing enlixer and becomes the Grey Beast. He eventually joins the Avengers after they have an open call for members on TV, and in Avengers 137, his iconic catchphrase, Oh, my stars and garters, is coined and forever making him sound like an obnoxious grandpa that not even a basic bitch with a pumpkin spice latte would invite to lunch at Panera Bread. The only good thing he does with the Avengers during this time is introduce Patsy Walker, AKA Hellcat, to the team, but in a disgusting turn of events becomes a sex symbol after swarms of fan mail piles into the Marvel office. People in the
1: Marvel universe have such low standards.
0: That is so fucking gross. His time on the Avengers outweighs his time with the X-Men, and he only reunites with his former team members twice during this era. Once, when he and Gene battled Magneto and thought the rest of the X-Men perished. Second, when Gene died during the Dark Phoenix saga. Both times, he just waltzes back into the Avengers mansion and gets lit as fuck with his one true BFF, Wonder Man. He then joins Defenders, and, uh, I guess stuff happens? But he dooms the team when he appoints Candy Southern (laughs) in charge of the team. He then joins X-Factor, is captured on his second mission and given a serum to cure mutation, which only eliminated his blue fur, and he's all happy about it and doesn't give a fuck what the scientific breakthrough means for his community. After, Selfish. After fighting the four horsemen of Apocalypse, he's touched by pestilence, and this combined with the serum start making him dumber each time he uses his powers. As it, if he
1: wasn't dumb enough already.
0: A kiss from the mutant Infecta made him fluffy again, and he kept his intelligence and began dating Trish Tibley. He rejoins the X-Men during the iconic Jim Lee era where he becomes a pompous jerk thinking he can cure the legacy virus, but oh no, Eliana dies, and he's like, der, curing the mutant equivalent of AIDS is much harder than I thought, even for a genius such as myself. And uh, that's what he does for most of the 90s, trying to cure the legacy virus to the point no one cared when he was abducted and replaced by Dark Beast. No one Notice (laughs) not Jean, not Betsy. He later escapes, finds a cure for the legacy virus at the expense of Colossus. life joins Storm's ragtag team, fights Vargas and loses. He returns to the X-Men after Sage saves his life. And Storm is like, get the fuck out. You're worthless and becomes Cat Beast. Meow.
1: Hello, kitty.
0: Grant Morris' new X-Men saga ensues and Beast is established as a bipolar scientist who says he's gay and found a cure for humanity going extinct, both of which are lies. We see in a dystopian future, he becomes a biblical beast possessed by sublime, scorches the earth. But once again, Jean Grey saves the universe and the timeline is erased. Take time, Beast with it. <laughs> by the time we reach the <laughs> astonishing era, Beast meets his future love interest, Abigail Brand. House of M ensues and Beast is absolutely useless in trying to find a way to reverse one that's no more mutual spell
1: beast useless what else is new
0: he starts x club hates on cyclops for starting x force even though he'll join the secret adventures and then blames him for nightcrawler's death because beast is a treacherous bastard he sides with the inhumans as a tarragon mist kills mutants and suggests they evacuate the planet because that's a reasonable plan from a scientist but Thank God the goddess known as Emma Frost solves the Terrigan problem for him. Oh, and where is he now? He's on X-Force, where he not only lies and manipulates to his fellow teammates, but also patronizes the one true X-Man, Jean Grey.
1: Hypocrite.
0: So uh, that's his history in a nutshell. And, and, and fellas, can I ask you a quick question? Shoot. Where in that entire long-winded history did I say he went to school to get his PhD? Where? You didn't. You didn't <laughs> say anything. Okay, so this is my number one reason for hating Beast. Because you have Dr. Reyes, you have Mr. Sinister, you have Xavier, you have Dr. Strange, their medical journey, them getting their PhD is a large part of their character and their history. And Beast just shows up one day in Avengers and is like, oh yeah, I got a degree, I got a PhD in biochemical engineering. Der. Fake doctor.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's. Like he went to the first, like, online college or something. That it just came out of nowhere.
0: Are you saying he went to Phoenix University? (laughs) Oh, I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. um, Dylan, since you're the guest, why do you hate Beast?
2: Anyone listening to what you just said, that's every reason why to hate him. He has done (laughs) nothing to help mutants or really, like, heroes in general. He bounces around and... But I mean, his main thing has always been trying to either cure something that's affecting the X-Men or cure mutants anyway to get rid of their mutant gene. Like, no, nothing about him is good. And the only part of his history that I like that you just mentioned was when he was replaced by Dark Beast because (laughs) Dark Beast is amazing.
1: You look like you're going to say something, Mike.
2: No, no. I was going
1: to ask. I have a whole laundry list. So you just let me know. (laughs) you just let me know
0: i, I i'm th- my 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 pinwheels in my eyes are just spinning right now like okay okay flinkman why why do you hate why do you hate beast
1: god we it's talk about this all the time it's so hard to choose when there's like close to 60 years worth of reasons to hate beast um but before i get into those reasons i do want to say that this this can't be a debate nobody can argue with this because it's absolute canon that beast is the worst because even the watcher a being yes. who's supposed to be like the most neutral person in the entire universe literally told Beast that he disgusted him. So like, <laughs> it's inarguable. You, you can't argue it. But if you did want to argue it, I would counter. Um, really for me, it was his whole attitude during the San Francisco and Utopia era. He was just like so holier than now and so hypocritical And, like, after everything the X-Men had been through to that point, he still didn't understand why Cyclops assembled, you know, the all-new stabby version of X-Force. He still didn't understand why Nightcrawler was willing to die and to protect Hope um, and had to blame that on Cyclops, too. Um, And that that really was especially obnoxious later after uh, Schism, when he's like, oh, I can forgive you, Logan, the one who actually did the stabbing and the murdering on behalf of Cyclops, but I definitely could never forgive Cyclops. But sure, I'll I'll be your vice principal. Um, Yeah, he's just, he's such a hypocrite. Um, Hypocrite. You know, especially when you consider that in spite of all that X-Force business, he himself was a member of the Secret Avengers and then later the Illuminati. Um, and for those who don't know the secret of Avengers were essentially the Avengers version of X-Force and the Illuminati was the big brains of the Marvel universe thinking they know better than everybody and acting on behalf of the entire multiverse. So, so like, you know, real low key team stuff that wasn't hypocritical, you know, at all. Let's see what else. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Speaking of the Illuminati, they were uh, there was an Avengers Arc, um, where they were responsible for the destruction of like multiple worlds in the multiverse. I think it was Time Runs Out. I'm no Avengers. Yeah, was like, it, it it was expert. before
0: Secret Avengers. Oh excuse me, Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it, it's Alita. Hickman wrote that, didn't he?
1: I think he did. He did. So Beast and the Illuminati wiped out all of these multiple worlds. Um That's good. And, you know, he'd only contributed to that, but let let us not forget that by that point, uh, he had already wiped out one parallel universe all on his own um, during Warren Ellis and Simone Bianchi's Astonishing X-Men. But, uh, you know, sure, Cyclops is the villain. Cyclops is too far gone. Cyclops must be held accountable. And just Um,
2: to... To add to that, him going back and getting the 05, like he decided that he was himself, without telling anyone, is going to mess with the timeline that everyone's in.
0: Oh, no, no, no. He's not only going to go back and mess with the timeline. He's going to get a bunch of 16-year-olds, lie to them, and yes. abduct them and bring them to the future. And, and that is one of my big sins for him. He literally tells Teen Jean, a teenage girl, look at you, I didn't think this was gonna be so hard seeing you. Like, of course she's gonna get it, she dies. And you're gonna tell 16 year old girl she's destined to die.
1: What? Yeah. Like, I mean, even, like, even Young Beast is a selfish disaster. Like, if you think about it, this is real personal for, for, for you, Day Spring. how many people died in Miami When he fooled around with dark magic, he didn't understand and unleashed an alternate universe goblin queen. Like my Uh, abuela could have been there. My abuela. (laughs) And a goblin queen, he also later betrayed his teammates to secretly collaborate with. And I mean, was that just because... Teen Gene has the good sense to give him the cold shoulder. And he thought he'd trade up for the older, hotter, more evil model. I mean, seriously, fuck that. Wait, guy.
0: wait, wait, wait. His relationship, Teen Beast with Teen Gene, Battle of the Atom. She reaches out to him first because, you know, she's looking at him. They just kissed. They have some kind of rapport going on. And she's here like, Hank, I have a really bad feeling about this. Oh, I don't know why, because you're going to die one day. And the person who kills you is right in front of you. The mask, you know, Zornita or was it Zornina or Zorna? It was Zorna. Zorna. And um, of course, you're going to freak out. Like, be with your friend Beast. Take her out of that room. And he's here like, no, Gene. Let's listen to what they have to say. She's like, I can't he- read their thoughts. And he's here like, oh, that's because it's Xavier's son. Like, what the fuck? Like, why are you the worst? Like, your friend is literally having a panic attack. Take her out of the room. Sorry. That's, that's a little bit of my Gene craziness coming out. <laughs> Just a, a slight bit of Gene Cray. But, you know, to to that point, though, what you were saying, Flickman, like he always betrays those he loves or or that love him. I think with Messiah Complex in particular, we knew that Scott Summers' main goal was to reignite the mutant race. He was going to lay everything on the line because... A fellow Avenger wiped them out, and now it was up to Scott to save the day. And Beast, like what do you do during Endangered Species? Just neandered, did not find an answer. And who's the one who actually saves the day? Cyclops, because he knew the thing yeah. was gonna come and re- rebirth the mutant race.
2: Yeah. And I mean, at least when Cyclops did it, everyone knew what he was doing. Beast, when he was trying to do everything in endangered species, was doing it by himself and not telling anyone. And like even talking the evil people like Sinister and Dark Beast and Spiral by himself, not telling the rest of the X-Men.
1: Yeah, but but Cyclops is is the bad guy. You know, Cyclops keeping something from him is like this huge disaster. It's so, ugh, ugh. The fact that he sided against the X-Men in both AVX and IVX is just unforgivable.
0: So at the end of AVX, this is where I realized, I hated Beast. Like it legitimately hated him was at the end of AVX when Cyclops is in prison and he's going to be moved, you know, to wherever he was going to go. Beast is like, Cyclops, everything you've done, like these new mutants that are emerging are going to have issues. And Cyclops is like, what do you mean new mutants? And he's you're like, Cyclops, this is hardly the time. And and Scott is like, no, you need to tell me, are, are there new mutants, Hank? He goes, yeah. Your plan worked. The Phoenix repopulated the, 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 the mutants and new mutants are sprouting up around the world. And Cyclops is so happy. And I'm like, you're such a dick, man. You are such a dick. This is your childhood best friend who was trying to save your species from going extinct. And you're just casually mentioned the mutants are back. Fuck off.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, sort of in reference to that whole phoenix thing like he was so against the phoenix five like he was such a douche about everything that happened while cyclops was possessed by the phoenix but then you know Uh, A couple years later during the the Black Vortex crossover with Guardians of the Galaxy, he like skipped right over the debate with his teammates and the Guardians and just like unilaterally decided that he was gonna assume the omnipotent space power of the Black Vortex without telling anybody. Like he takes on a questionable cosmic power akin to the Phoenix, not knowing what the hell it's gonna do. And he's just like, oh, it's okay because I'm doing it. Whereas the Phoenix Five, we're were powered by accident they didn't have a choice
0: oh i just oh no, wow, my blood he started, pressure he sided with the avengers and tony stark blew up the phoenix without knowing anything about the phoenix not having any history with it and the phoenix fragments and goes into five of his teammates it violates them it violates his teammates and he doesn't care the same way it violated gene gray and he does not give a flying fuck <sighs> he i <laughs> your thoughts dylan
2: i mean i i know he's written to be this way but if beast was a real character i feel like it was almost jealousy that he wasn't one of the five that was chosen so
1: Mm. yeah he wants to put himself at the at the front of of everything so yeah i totally agree with you he was super jealous that he didn't get selected to be a phoenix host i'm sure
0: Um, so another reason why I hate him is that he's an anthropomorphic ape, cat, werewolf, whatever, who uses bombastic language to convey simple statements. If he was as fabulous as Myra Rose, then I'd be like, okay, fine, fair, pass. But saying things like, um, I believe the technology involves molecular dispersal and reconstitution, or another line, "thermal molecularly enhanced caffeine extract. Like, dude, just say you were teleported and just say you want a cup of coffee. That's it. Like, I don't understand. Like- Using this bombastic language does not make you a smart person. It makes you a raging sociopath who literally does not know how to communicate basic thoughts. He's a
1: fake doctor, so he has to pretend
0: that he's smart. He has to cover it up. Yeah. So, where where did he get his PhD? I've been looking, listeners, if you know exactly where he got his PhD, like, let us know. I I looked it up. Uh, Where does everyone go in the Marvel Universe? Like, Empire State College? (laughs) Like him and Mary Jane are just sitting down like in a PhD class and she's like, face it tiger. I mean, like, I, I don't know where, where did he get his degree?
2: I mean, I think that, I think there was even in that a few years ago when they were doing the X men origins and we got to like see a little retconned history of when Xavier got beast and then like Mm -hmm. maybe his family forget that he existed or something like that. But that was in high school. Yep. When did you go to college? So to I'm get glad this you doc-
0: mentioned that because that's the <laughs> other reason why I hate him too. was He had uh, his girlfriend, Jen, who was like his BFF when he was being bullied at school. And Xavier mind wipes her to forget that he ever existed. And I'm sorry, I'm a 16, 17 year old kid. Uh, you mind wipe my friend, I'm going to throw a tantrum. Like, you do not fuck. Like, a teacher doing that to my friend, no. Yeah,
2: the sea beast didn't have a problem with it. So he is messed up.
0: So not only so so he betrays his childhood love, his best friend growing up. He's just a, a stupid asshole. And let's let's not forget, he also betrayed Xavier um during Extreme X-Men when Storm was like, I don't think we should trust Xavier. Beast did not put up a fight about that. Like, look, I get it. Storm has a more complicated history with Xavier, but for Beast, Xavier is your childhood teacher. He has been someone who's made questionable decisions, but you should know him by now. And he just like, yeah, Xavier's the worst and then goes off with Storm.
1: Yeah, and, and, and fails spectacularly in assisting that team in any real way. Like he's, oh, the only thing he does is, is hold Psylocke while she's dying, like, and get the shit beat out of him. U- useless, just useless.
2: I will say there's one thing he is good at, and that is them introducing women to be a love interest, and then the love interest being really amazing. And that's I about it.
1: could go on and on about one forced love interest in particular. And of oh, course... which one is it? That would be Dazzler. Shocking. <laughs> um, yeah, so... For those who don't know, uh, in the mid 80s, there was a um, four issue miniseries called Beauty and the Beast. Um, It starred Dazzler and Beast, obviously, um, and it was published after the Dazzler solo series was canceled. Um, And at this point, the events of Dazzler the movie had already happened and the general public knew she was a mutant and that she had fallen from grace. Um, and this series sort of just uh, chronicles the aftermath of that. And it has Dazzler re-entering the celebrity scene and where she comes across uh, Beast and Wonder Man at some Hollywood party. Uh, yeah, and from there, just kind of out of nowhere, he gets all weird and protective about her. Um, they develop romantic feelings for one another or, or something. Um, you know, and all the while they're getting wrapped up in this like weird gladiator tournament involving Dr. Doom's alleged son. Um, and yeah, it's just like this truly bizarre story that could have been interesting if it was literally any other character besides beast that Dazzler was with. Um, I mean, The villains were drugging her in this miniseries. So I'm just going to go ahead and assume (laughs) that that's why she was into him and why she never, (laughs) ever, ever was into him again afterwards. I mean, Um, to be
2: fair, in that Dazzler series that got canceled before, almost every issue, she had a new love interest. It's true. It's
1: true. I... And the only one worth mentioning, in my opinion, is is Angel. I, I think Dazzler and Angel, they would have such beautiful babies. But she can't do that to Betsy at this point. She can't have her BFF sloppy uh, seconds. But, <laughs> of course, that whole miniseries was meant um, to be a segue for Dazzler to join Beast, Cyclops, Angel, and Iceman as the fifth member of the original X Factor. But... We all know what happened there. Some, you know, irrelevant ginger was raised from the dead to take her place. Oh my
0: gosh. And the X-Men have been the better for it since. And Dazzler disappeared for a whole decade. (laughs) So are you saying Jean Grey is the reason Dazzler (laughs) is like not an A-list X-Man?
1: 100%. Everything is Jean's fault. Cyclops and Magneto were right and Jean Grey was wrong.
2: (laughs) I'm going to agree with Flankman.
0: No! (laughs) No! Jean
2: sucks!
0: Um, we're not going to segue in. this is not an I Hate Gene episode.
2: what you guys are doing. The Beast episode, episode becomes Hate Gene.
0: Yeah,
1: we're going to just go <laughs> ahead and commandeer this episode. It has now become an I Hate Gene
0: fest. You know what, I'm going to, I was going to save this particular one. Um, l- why I hate Beast till later. But you know what, I think I'm just going to deflect now and say, you know what, I hate most of what he did. And, and he would not get away with it in today's world when he pretended to be gay during Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. That- but like,
1: if he had been gay, I would totally ship him in Wonder Man. Like, come on, they were so gay in well, the
0: 80s. I remember I was reading, I was taking a feminist theory class when that issue came out. Or no, no, I was rereading it when, when, when I was taking that class. And it just made sense that Beast would be gay. I, I just, I liked it. I, I thought it added some weight to his character.
1: And can I just say that that is so encapsulating of the differences between you and me as an X-Men fan. You're like, "Well, I was taking feminist theory and through that lens, this is how I view Beast and I'm just like,
0: he's a douche." Well, right? you look at well, I mean, I'm just thinking of deconstructing him as a character and he's had all of these love interests. He historically was a sex symbol, but if you break him down like in this post-structuralist like mentality just to his like gender roles, like he him being gay just redefines everything uh what of what he was and it gives him more context to his character much like how they did with bobby drake even though i feel like bobby had those hints throughout his his history i mean that yeah. that was pretty clear but beast just lying about his sexuality and just one day being like oh hey yeah i'm gay um okay i i think that just reignites a little bit more of a passion for the character i think it makes him more interesting
2: i, I would agree with what you just said like a lot of the reasons why it makes sense that Iceman is gay besides the not so subtle subtext that they had, but a lot of reasons that why Iceman is gay could definitely be used for Beast and why he should be gay.
1: Yeah, for sure. They both have like questionable dating histories where it's like, what what, did they really love this person? Or were they just like using them for, for some reason, but um, you know, Beast never wore purple jeans in a a chain wallet in the 90s. So (laughs) I can see how he, you know, they
0: picked Iceman. Um, But speaking of Grant Morrison's new X-Men run, I was, when I was rereading the back issues for this episode, there was this one scene in particular that pissed me off. And that's when he and Emma are stranded in the ocean and Emma's like, I feel something. And Beast is like, are you sure it's not another speck on your contact lens again? And I was like, you motherfucker, do not question Emma Frost at I, all.
1: I, I have to say the one good thing I'm gonna give, I, if you're, I don't know if you're gonna ask me to say one nice thing about Beast, but I, I'm going to say one nice thing about Beast. At least he put Emma back together
0: during murder of no Nixon. no he didn't he, he did not he, he did okay not. Jean, he fused Jean her gene said open up your mind picture it like a pink door and let me read all those like his medical books and he she is the one who infused Emma back
1: who took the time to get all of the diamond pieces together in a simple table
0: who found her lips who found her lips <laughs> I'm just saying she was you, like, I'm I'm giving this, this one to Beast. I'm no, giving it to Beast. Uh, it's not Beast, cared the most. I'll give it to you that Beast cared the most about reassembling Emma.
1: It, Jean would not have gone through the effort of finding every single shard of diamond. To of course not, her. but Jean wouldn't go
0: through the effort of restarting the timeline and psychically pushing her husband to be with Emma. No, no, Jean didn't care at all.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, for the purposes of this,
2: Beast accomplished one positive thing in his entire life. I want to say that one scene that you brought up about Emma and Beast in the ocean, I've told people multiple times, I wish she just would have killed him. No, <laughs> nobody would have known it. She could have drowned him and then like used his body to float. <laughs> I, I wish it would have happened.
1: Made a fabulous blue coat out of him.
0: <laughs> she would have dyed it white. She would have dyed the fur white. Bleach! <laughs> um, okay, another reason why I hate him, um, during Defenders and uh valkyrie was like i think i should be the leader hank was like no 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 i should be the leader and i'm i'm like i'm sorry i'm in a room with valkyrie a literal goddess i'm not going to question her authority to lead the defenders like it makes more sense that she would lead the defenders right like she's a valkyrie who
1: leads a horde of valkyrie and yeah like it's her job (laughs) like Evil demon shit. Like, what does Beast have over that? A fake doctorate? (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's like literally her job. Like, you're just the brains. Just shut up and stay in the background.
0: Shut up and go to your lab. And I thought, you know, when I was reading that and sort of piecing his history together, I was like, is Beast a little misogynistic? Because, okay, so he challenges Valkyrie's authority. And then when Betsy comes back to life and he's giving her that examination, do you guys know this scene?
2: Yeah, it's a bit weird. When he
0: licks her, he's here like, you look the same and taste the same. And I was like, oh, I that's mean, disgusting. Why would you do that to your patient? I mean, look, look, I- You're not a real doctor! You're not a real
1: doctor! It's definitely gross, but I don't know if I can blame Beast 100% for that when that was during Chris Claremont's, like, really questionable uh, writing era. You know, tentacle porn with Callisto. Like, yeah, you know, it was- There was some questionable things happening uh, at that point, so- I, While it's disgusting and gross, I'm going to say it's more Chris Claremont's weird fetishes than Beast's fault.
2: In the last five minutes, you've given Beast credit for Two things.
1: Oh, I know, I, what <laughs> the hell, I'm playing devil's
0: advocate here. No,
1: I'm sorry, he's the worst, he's terrible, he's never done a good thing in his life. Emma should have skinned him, bleached him, turned him into a fur coat, and we all could have gone about our lives.
0: Yeah, Dylan, I, I hope we can uh, time travel back to, what was it, 2000, and you can rewrite that scene where Beast is just dead, and Emma just, like, is rescued by Jean and Wolverine, and she's wearing this fabulous blue, like, coat. Yeah, and she's
2: just like, he he drowned. I. I at least brought his body back and we I should learned. do something yeah. with his fur. He <laughs> would want to be remembered this way. Yeah, he would want to be remembered and I'll just wear him every time we go on a mission.
0: Um, but then, okay, so in that dystopian timeline, uh, the Here Comes Tomorrow, we know he tries to um, get the Xavier Institute running up again after Cyclops and Emma and everyone leaves and Xavier, uh, he fails miserably at it. Fail. Shocking, Shocking. And then... Takes kick, inhales kick. When I I know Wolverine says that's before we knew that was like a conduit for sublime, but again, you should have known that beast. You should have known that. You're the scientist. And why does Wolverine know that and you don't? Um, So he inhales the kick. He becomes the biblical beast. He scorches that earth. And I remember when I read this, I I'm prone to bronchitis. I, look, I, I grew up Cuban. My abuela says I have bronchitis. So I always thought bronchitis was like a chronic condition. But um, apparently not. I don't know. But when, when he's decapitated, but right before he's decapitated, he says, I can't believe I lived this long with my asthma. I was on a plane to Pittsburgh when I read that, and I was legitimately traumatized. I thought I was going to die early because I had weak lungs. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck you for giving me a panic attack on this flight. It was like Airtran or something like that, and I literally had to get up and go to the bathroom and started hyperventilating because of that scene.
2: So Beast almost killed you.
0: Beast almost. <laughs> so it's personal, so it's fucking personal.
1: You have been personally victimized by Hank McCoy.
0: Fuck Hank McCoy.
2: And see, in in that storyline, we saw how great his fur looks, white. So yes, he should have died, <laughs> and Emma should have bleached him. This
1: been fabulous. Maybe. Maybe in some, some her little fur collar on her current costume, maybe some parallel universe, Emma Skinned Beast and, and gave it to her. I don't know. I don't know. We can dream.
0: So to what you said earlier, Flinkman, about just kind of being devil's advocate. Uh, advocate I with, took it um, back. Took it back. But I, I was thinking, be- I mean, like I can sit here, we can sit here and like we can rag on Beast, but I was like thinking, okay, like let me give like a psych, like kind of breakdown, like an evaluation. And... Mephisto, it wasn't until I read Mephisto versus that series where he he was talking to the X-Factor team and he looks at Hank and he's here like, oh, Hank, you always want to be the smart one using big language because if you're not the smart one, who are you? And I think that's a hallmark of the character. I think we saw that in the hidden years. I think there was an issue where Craven like hits him with a dart and it makes him stupid. And then we also saw what happened with Pestilence. And I think he's just so insecure of of his physical appearance that the only thing he can contribute is his intellect and that's why he wants to sort of be this hyperbolic you know bombastic scientist that really doesn't know what he's talking about but as long as he uses a jargon people aren't going to question him
1: i mean he he has nothing else he's a he's a fake scientist who is a hideous ape cat creature. So, like, yeah, he's got to use big words to distract from the fact that he's literally nothing else. The worst.
2: And I I think that's why they probably write him doing these awful things because it's him trying to be something that's beyond just the brains and beyond his physical mutation. Like, he wants to be the Scott or Mm Gene, and every time he tries, he fails.
1: So, my question is, there's all these hallmarks you know, of him being a, a terrible person across, you know, 50, 60 years worth of of stories at this point, do we think this was a choice? Do you think that the creators chose to take the character in this direction? Or is this just like a series of random events that, you know, when you add them
2: all up, Beast is the worst? <laughs> or <Horror> Path. <laughs> um, I mean, I, if creator... I could see that that could be a thing. Like when it comes to the original five X-Men, like Cyclops doesn't always fail. And he does seem to be right a lot of times. And no matter what Gene does, even if she destroys planets full of broccoli people, uh, <laughs> everyone's still going to love her. Yeah. And Iceman doesn't really do anything. And he, he's just... Iceman's just on Grinder all the time now. Yeah, he's just the gay one. And... I mean, Angel. He he was the perfect person that got corrupted, but then he got himself fixed. So there's just always going to be, I guess, maybe one to fail. So I guess that would make sense if that if if that's what creators are doing to have one of the originals just always be the one that fails.
1: Yeah, it just his douchiness really seemed to ratchet up, like in the mid aughts, like uh, Fraction and uh, Jason Aaron. Uh, consistently wrote him as cool. as a douche, and like prior to that, you know, I I already disliked the character, but you know, prior to that, San Francisco uh, Utopia era, it wasn't so in your face. I feel I feel like it had to have been a choice to take. It was obviously a choice to take uh, the character in that direction, you know, more more in the the mid aughts. But there's just been nothing to redeem him since. Like you would think, you know, characters like Cyclops, you know, they, they're the big hero, then they have their fall from grace and then they get to be the big hero again. And Beast has never really, he hasn't had that moment where he redeems himself. Do y'all, do y'all think that that's something that could ever happen?
0: I think, I I think, wait, wait, let me backpedal to your original question about, do we think it was coincidence or is that just the way it happened? Um I think w- when Mike Marts was the X-Men's editor, uh, I thought he did a great job with Beast, and that was like I think that was Grant Morrison a little bit afterwards. and I just think Beast was on a path to be a very witty, fun character who may be a little eccentric, but I think Fraction did a really great job with Hawkeye, but for whatever reason he could not have na- he did not nail the X-Men. It was, I don't know if it was a Greg Glenn art. I, I, I think I, I judge every writer on
1: how well they write the X-Men. And I, I agree with you, Matt Fraction. You know, Hawkeye was great. Sex Criminals is great. But his X-Men is just the worst.
0: I mean, those shots of Silox's ass and she's here like, as you wish. I'm like, oh, like stop it. And it didn't just happen once. It was like multiple times.
1: As you wish
0: as you wish but do i think he's redeemable so far we haven't seen it i i think hickman could redeem him we've seen hickman he he can write really intelligent characters not making normal characters sound intelligent i mean like characters who are supposed to be intelligent coming across as intelligent like with myra xavier and magneto and emma but i don't think he's really given beast uh, tlc yet
1: I don't think Hickman has any interest in redeeming beasts because he's being such a douche in X-Force. Like he's being a shady douche in Dawn of X. So I don't, I don't foresee Hickman redeeming him because Hickman also is the writer who wrote him in the Illuminati and let him destroy multiple universes. So from just judging from that, I don't, I personally can't foresee him having any sort of redemption arc in, in Dawn of X, but I, I could be wrong.
2: To kind of go with what we're talking about now and the last question of like creators purposely doing it, I, I feel like that they, they are purposely doing it, and especially Hickman is continuing it. Because I mean, why else make that line where they said, Beast, every time you do something, it might be for the greater good, but there's always a little bit of evil. So like that's the Dawn of X writers purposely still writing him to be that way. But like Day Spring was saying, um, if I think if anyone can try to fix Beast and make him redeemable, it's probably Hickman because I think he's done a lot for the X-Men. So hopefully if if and when he decides to not be on X-Men books again, hopefully he can fix Beast before he does. Because I, if he doesn't, I don't think anyone else can.
1: So do you want Beast to, to sort of be redeemed?
2: I honestly don't. I kind of wish they would just kill Beast. <laughs> there's, there's a few X-Men that I think should take like an 18 year long break like gene did and beast is one of them for sure wait who he's else? Never,
1: correct me if i'm wrong we've, we haven't ever had an extended except when he was with the avengers we haven't really had an extended break from from beast no he hasn't, he, he hasn't
0: died has he
2: i not that i know or not no, that i can think of he almost died
0: during during uh bendis's run but we all know he was just being a drama queen Oh, and that was another thing. He, he fetishizes a teenage girl by putting her in a miniskirt in his mind, and then is like, oh, read my thoughts. I've never blocked anything from you. Like, this is a 16-year-old girl. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. He's a perv. Perv. He's a perv. Um,
2: A-Spring, to answer your question, there's really kind of only one other person that I want to take a break, and that's Betsy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: she's had a break though we had a decent break from her between extreme and uncanny well true I don't know.
2: but i think since they decided to fix the basic racism of her being stuck in quantum's body i don't think anyone knows what to do with her and i think she just needs to go away for longer than she was dead in extreme for a better writer to come up in the future to fix her and actually give her a good story
1: I don't I don't disagree with that necessarily. I think I've been blinded by how excited I am that she's British again. Um, <laughs> but when you when you mention that, yeah, like nobody has really done anything too interesting with her. Like the whole concept of her being Captain Britain is great, but like Excalibur has been one of the more questionable books to come out of Davvec. So I on the one hand, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't. She looks so fabulous, and she's so British, and I love it. And I don't want her to go anywhere. But on the other hand, everything you've said is true. Someone needs she 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 could use a break so that someone could come up with something to do with her. Well, and also hey, give
0: Psylocke give Psylocke some spot to uh, spotlight. Like, I I I don't feel like they know what they're doing with Psylocke either.
2: No, I don't think they do either. Like, I'm glad that Betsy's British again. I just don't like the fact that with Dawn of X, they're like, oh, we're going to fix Betsy and her not being Psylocke or Quanin anymore, but now we're just going to make her her brother and like, just let her be herself. But it's just because Betsy and Quanin are so tied to each other because now like everybody wants Betsy to be that fighter. But really when Betsy was that fighter in in the Asian body, she really was more Quanin than she was herself. So it's like nobody knows who Betsy is.
1: Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. We could probably have a whole special second episode about
2: what to do second with Betsy,
1: episode.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, Beast is worse. He licked Psylocke when she, or Betsy, when she got back. And um, that's gross. And he didn't even apologize to her. He wasn't like, oh, I'm so sorry that Vargas killed you. <laughs> and like, that was partially my fault because I was on the battlefield with you. And he didn't apologize for licking her. You no, know, yeah. that's gross. Because he's not a real doctor, folks. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, where? Where? Just tell me. Listeners, just tell me where he got his, uh, his PhD from. So, uh, any other reasons why you guys don't like Beast?
1: I think I, for me, I I think we've covered it. You know, I ranted and raved there for pr- probably a good five minutes straight. So I, I think I'm i now
2: thinking of every time that Beast has examined someone. And there's one scene in particular. I think it was in, in X-Force, but, and it's just because I'm partial to Shatterstar. But there was one time where I think Beast was examining Shatterstar and he was just like on a table in like basically a Speedo. And I feel like that's not uncommon for any other time that Beast has examined people. So why does he <laughs> get them? Like, Your machines can go through clothes. Why does everyone have to get naked? And Are you licking everyone when they come in? He's a perv. Perv.
0: Oh, beast. Like, Jesus. You should have gotten that PhD from Phoenix University. From Phoenix Force University. Oh, man. All right. Well, I mean, I could go on and on, like a when he was battling cassandra nova and she made him wipe his ass with his phd PhD phd3 and he's like all upset about him like that's not even a real one you just printed that from like some random website photoshop photoshopped and when he was here like gene gene cassandra nova's here i'm like come on hank you're an x-man you were an avenger like you gotta take this 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 bitch on i just i don't know it's Here's my qualm with him, and this, this sort of encapsulates why I hate him. He's supposed to be the smart character, but as, as is always the case, we see this with Sailor Mercury as well from Sailor Moon. The smart one doesn't necessarily act like the smart one. They're, they're not ahead of the plot. They're not the ones who are digesting the information. They're just going along with the ride, and it's someone else who solves, solves the problem.
2: Yeah, and if that if other person can't solve it, then they're like, oh, beast. Say we're Mercury. Can you figure this out? Because literally the rest of the team can't. So now we're going to ask you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So that's why we hate Beast. And listeners, we encourage you to follow us on Generations of X or email us at GenerationsofX at gmail.com to tell us why you think Beast is the worse. Or you can be in his favor. You can be opposing counsel. Like I, I'm open to hearing why you like Beast. I- I would love,
1: I would love for someone to to send us a rebuttal about why Beast is the best. If you send us a well thought out rebuttal about why Beast is not the worst, I will read it word for word in the next episode. Yes, but I don't think anyone do. can do it. I, I
2: don't. <laughs> if you don't read it in the next episode, I at least want CC'd on this email. So I
0: can read it. <laughs> We're gonna loop you in, um, Warpath. Where can uh, the folks at home find you?
2: Uh, everybody can find my podcast on anywhere podcasts are. You just look up house of X podcast and you could also join my Facebook group. That's called house of X as well.
0: Yeah. And you guys, you do spotlights, you do reviews, you guys have a conversation and you're just fanning around and it's a great podcast. Fanning. around. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for being with us today. I am thank the uncanny dayspring. And I am the adjectiveless Flinkman. And we'll see you all next week. Peace out. Bye.